Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Well, today, Koberger made his first court appearance in Idaho to face four charges of first-degree murder. If convicted, Koberger faces life in prison and possibly the death penalty. At his initial appearance, he'll hear the charges against him. Count two alleges that you committed the felony offense of murder in the first degree. Count three, murder in the first degree. Count four, murder in the first degree. Count five alleges that you committed... In high school, he would talk, he would laugh and stuff like that. But when I saw him a couple years later, it was just kind of creepy. I don't, I don't know what happened. It's like a switch went off and he just changed. The newly released affidavit reveals so much information. Details about how police tracked the suspect down. DNA, phone records, and a witness. Brian Koberger was studying criminal justice and criminology right here at Washington State University. It was really shocking because of all the different parts of my life that were tied to this as a journalist, as a teacher of college students, and, and certainly as a father and a citizen here. Since the gruesome murders at a house off campus at the University of Idaho, the town of Moscow remains in shock. We hear so many stories now about Maddie and Kaylee and Ethan and Zanna, about how close they were, the type of people they were. It's devastating to hear that. It's heart-wrenching. What do you want the world to know about your daughter, Kaylee? This was a person that was going to go into your community and make it better. All these kids were going to make your community better. You would want them as your neighbor. You'd want them to interact with your children. Zanna Kernodal. She was so positive and lighthearted and understood the gift of life more than anyone I know. Ethan Chapin. Today we're here to honor the life and legacy of our son, Ethan Chapin, one of the most incredible people you'll ever know. Madison Mogan. My only child that we ever had and uh, so just smart and funny and beautiful. Kaylee 
Gonzalez. You know, most things as a dad you can you can handle, but something like that you just can't prepare for and you can't fix it. As a father, that's a terrible feeling. As a professor here on this campus, I want to know what is the motive? Why do something like this? How did he know Maddie and Kaylee and Ethan and Zana, if indeed he is the person who committed this crime? Brian is not tried in the court of public opinion. He has that presumption of innocence. I honestly think he did it because he wants to see if he can get away with it. Are you hoping to make eye contact with Brian at some point? Eye contact's a guarantee. I definitely want to let him know that uh, I'm not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. This day of court is not just for him, it's, it's for everybody. If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s, you play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24 7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners. 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Under a dark Idaho sky, investigators flew Brian Koberger to the college town of Moscow. Police delivered him to the Latah County Jail. On January 5th, in an orange jumpsuit, face vacant, the 28-year-old made what will likely be his first of many appearances in this court. He stands charged with the murder of four students from the University of Idaho. Kaylee Gonsalves, Madison Maddie Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and 
Zana Kernodal. Investigators say he stabbed them to death in the home the women shared. The maximum penalty for this offense, if you plead guilty or are found guilty, is up to death and imprisonment for life. Do you understand? Yes. Koberger has not yet entered a plea. In an affidavit, investigators laid out their understanding of the grim details about the night of the killings. They say the killer left his DNA on a leather knife sheath, like this one, found on a bed next to Maddie Mogan. And most hauntingly, they say a surviving roommate thought she heard crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask. The man walked past as she stood in frozen shock. She locked herself in her room. We will have more details on this fast-moving investigation. Authorities have not disclosed a motive or if he had a connection to the students. But tonight, we are learning more about just who Brian Koberger is. Just 15 days before his arrest, Brian Koberger and his father were driving home from Washington State University for winter break to the family's home in Pennsylvania. Hello. How you doing? How y'all doing today? The journey interrupted by two traffic stops, almost 10 minutes apart in Indiana for tailgating. We're going to be going to Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. We're a little, we're slightly punchy. We drive for hours. Police body cam video shows Koberger and his father talking calmly with an officer about the trip. Hours, days. Then they are released with a warning. But do me a favor, don't follow too close, okay? Koberger had been at the university since August, studying to get his PhD in criminology. He was also a teaching assistant in the Department of Criminal Justice. He lived in an apartment complex on campus and had an office there. According to the newly released affidavit, Koberger had applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall. He wrote in his application essay that, quote, he had interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data. Benjamin Roberts took four classes with Koberger. He seemed very comfortable around other people. He was fairly quick to offer his opinion and thoughts, and he was always participating fairly eagerly in classroom discussions. He says Kohlberger appeared highly intelligent. Does anything else come to mind that Brian said to you in the past that today you think might be of interest? Well, there was a comment that he made, and it was this kind of a, a flippant uh, guy talk thing. Um, at one point, he just idly mentioned, you know, I can go down to a, a bowl or a club and just have pretty much any lady I want. Ryan Koberger. Koberger arrived at the university after earning his bachelor's in psychology and master's degree in criminal justice at DeSales University in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. While at DeSales, authorities say Brian Koberger posted this survey, approved by the university, on the website Reddit asking ex-cons about the crimes they committed. One question he asked, before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? This could be a piece of circumstantial evidence. 
James Galliano is a retired FBI supervisory special agent and CBS News consultant. The fact that the suspect was interested in pursuing a PhD in criminal justice and was especially interested in the mental state that people who had committed murders in the past, yes, it could be interesting to note, but I know a lot of researchers that study those things too that would never commit a quadruple homicide. And if Koberger was involved in these murders, genetic genealogist C.C. Moore questions why he would be so careless as to allegedly leave his DNA at the crime scene. People are talking about how smart he supposedly is. I just can't see how that could be true because any student of forensic science or criminology would have to know that it's virtually impossible not to leave your DNA behind at a very violent, intimate crime scene like this. You know, Ted Bundy thought he was smart, but he wasn't that smart as it turns out. After the murders, Robert says Koberger appeared disheveled, tired, and chattier than usual. But nothing could prepare Roberts for when he learned of Koberger's arrest. Looking back over the last four months is that I feel like there should have been signs that I should have seen, and I didn't. Uh, I was blindsided. This is out of character for Brian, these allegations. Monroe County Public Defender Jason Labar represented Kohlberger before he was extradited to Idaho. The family want the general public to know that Brian is a caring son and brother, that he's responsible, uh, that he is devoted to them. In a statement, the family said, we care deeply for the four families who have lost their precious children and that they seek the truth and promote his presumption of innocence rather than judge unknown facts and make erroneous assumptions. He is innocent until proven otherwise. Labar says Koberger came from a close-knit family. He grew up in eastern Pennsylvania in the Pocono Mountains. His father was a maintenance worker and his mom worked in the school system. Brian has two older sisters, one who works as a family therapist and another sister who appeared in a 2011 low-budget slasher film two days back about a group of young students viciously murdered by a serial killer. Yeah, well, things change. She now works as a school counselor. My heart goes out to Brian's family. This is Kohlberger's friend Bree, who says she met Kohlberger at a party when they attended Pleasant Valley High School. She asked us not to use her last name. Brian was really funny. He wasn't outgoing at all. He was, but he also wasn't shy. She says they bonded over their love of the outdoors. I don't necessarily remember the conversations, but you definitely remember how someone makes you feel. I just remember feeling okay. I was just with a friend. It just felt natural. Bree recalls Koberger was an average student with only a few close friends. In this yearbook photo, Koberger's caption said he aspired to be an army ranger. I used to be friends with Brian Koberger. Casey Arntz also knew Koberger from high school. She posted this TikTok following Brian's arrest. I am just an absolute shock right now. He was an overweight kid, so he did get bullied a lot. But Casey says people saw a change in Koberger beginning of senior year. 
He lost like 100 pounds. He was a rail. It was after that weight loss that a lot of people noticed a huge switch in him. My brother has since come out to say that even though they were friends, Brian bullied him. And he had said like he would put him in like chokeholds and stuff like that. Bree says Koberger started using heroin, which ended their friendship. You just saw him becoming more self-destructive. He really stayed secluded. It's unclear when exactly Koberger went into recovery, but both Bree and Casey say years after he graduated high school, it appeared as if he was getting his life together. He was going to Northampton Community College and working security for Pleasant Valley School District. He was telling me that he wanted to get sober, that he was getting sober. And he just wanted to let me know, like, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna be better. I'm sorry. Last time I saw O'Brien was in 2017 at one of my friend's wedding. I and mean, I gave him a hug and I was like, you look so good. Like, I'm so proud of you. I just remember being very happy for him. And both Bree and Casey say it appeared that Koberger had a new focus, his studies in criminology. He wanted to do something that impacted people in a good way. People were not his strong suit. And I think through his criminology studies, he was really trying to understand humans and try to understand himself. Now, Bree, like many who knew him, struggles to connect the person they once knew to this unspeakable crime. I think a lot of people who were close to him are feeling this massive amounts of guilt. Why didn't I see it? Did I miss something? Where did it go wrong? If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Before this was a crime scene, it was a home to these five close friends. Maybe none closer than Maddie Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves. Guys! 
On TikTok, the 21-year-old seniors looked like they were enjoying their final school year. You gonna choose me, baby, it is. In the early morning of November 13th, the two friends headed to a food truck, but their seemingly carefree existence would come to an abrupt end just hours later. Kaylee and Maddie were stabbed to death in the upstairs part of the house. A hundred miles away, in northern Idaho, Kaylee's father, Steve, got the news. And Steve, give us a sense of the shock of that moment. You just feel like you're getting crushed by a thousand pounds of weight. What do you want the world to know about your daughter, Kaylee? I want the world to know they they got robbed. Somebody stole from you. Steve Gonzalez says his daughter Kaylee would have made the world a better place. A general studies major, she was the middle child of five siblings. Steve says Kaylee was always up for a challenge. She grew up around two boys that were, you know, older than her. And uh, she didn't see any reason why she couldn't be as quick and fast and as good as those two boys were. What did she want to do with her life? Uh, like most young people, it changed. She was going to be a teacher. But once she found out how long it was going to take to pay back her student loans, she, she said, Dad, you know, this thing you do with computers seems to work pretty well. She reportedly had a job lined up in Austin, but made it clear that one day she hoped to settle down somewhere near her dearest friend, Maddie Mogan. Maddie was a marketing major, and she and Kaylee had been inseparable since the sixth grade. I just felt like it was more of a sistership than it was friendship. So, and she was just one of our kids. So it perhaps did not come as a surprise when Steve revealed at a November memorial that Kaylee and Maddie died side by side. They went to high schools together. They came here together. And in the end, they died together in the same room, in the same bed. It comforts us. It lets us know that they were with their best friends in the whole world. It was a belief Maddie's stepfather, Scott Laramie, repeated to another packed memorial just days later. The two of them were a force to be reckoned with. They stuck together through everything. Maddie had a boyfriend, Jake Schreiger. She was the first person I talked to every morning, and the last person I talked to before bed. They had been together for more than a year. Jake says Maddie had a talent for making people laugh. She was really funny. Her jokes really would come out of nowhere and just be like, was that the the cute little blonde girl that just said that? But Maddie and Kaylee weren't the only victims. While two other roommates were in their rooms and unharmed during the attacks, on the second floor, the killer made his way to the room of Zana Kernodal. She was my baby sister, but she was so much wiser. Zana's sister, Jasmine. She would always tell me she wouldn't know what to do without me, and now I have to live this life without her. A 20-year-old junior majoring in marketing, Zana was known for being focused on her studies. So focused, she didn't make much time for dating. Zana never had a boyfriend before, and my dad and I wondered if she was ever going to get one. (laughs) That was until she met... Ethan Chapin. The way she would talk and smile about him was something I've never seen her do before. 
Ethan was a 20-year-old majoring in recreation and tourism management. Jasmine says Zana and Ethan began dating in the spring of 2022. They had something so special and everyone around them knew. Especially anyone who followed the pair on Instagram. For Ethan's birthday, Zana posted photos of them with the caption, Life is so much better with you in it. Love you. It would be her last Instagram. Just two weeks later, the young couple was found stabbed to death in Zana's bedroom. At the University of Idaho, the pain of this tragedy is felt at the root and extends hundreds of miles away to a tulip farm in Skagit Valley, Washington. It's where Ethan worked before heading to college. His boss, Andrew Miller. So Ethan started, it was in the spring of, of 21. It was the best tulip festival. Miller says the annual tulip festival attracts close to half a million visitors. And Ethan stood out in the crowd. Oh, he's a big guy wearing a big smile, right? I think that's the part that, I, that, that kind of struck me right away. Ethan, a triplet, worked there with his siblings, Maisie and Hunter, and lived in a rented house on the farm with their parents. The Chapin triplets were incredibly close, says Reese Gardner. They were best friends. If one did something, they all did something. It was pretty cool to see. Including attending the University of Idaho together. And that was the funniest thing. It was like, of course it was a package deal. Like, all three of them were going to go there. He was excited, I think, because his siblings were going with him. Araya Makaba says Ethan's parents had decided to live in Idaho, too. Makaba says when she heard Ethan had been murdered, she couldn't believe it. I think the first thing I did was message Ethan. I was like, hey, you're okay, right? Like, this isn't real. And uh, obviously didn't respond. Reese Gardner scoured the internet for information. And I just couldn't stop reading articles, and I just wanted to know what happened, and I wanted to know why. But in lieu of answers, Gardner turned to tulips. Yeah. That's going to be so sick. Oh, it's going to be so pretty. I know. He had an idea. Name one after Ethan. I thought there's, there's no better way to remember someone who had such a big part, a big role in those farms. Because Reese called me and it was, hey, can this be done? And are you interested in doing it? And I was, yes and hell yes. But creating a new tulip is a long process. So instead, Miller suggested a mix of tulips that would be a perfect tribute to Ethan, yellow and white. Yellow, of course, because go Vandals, University of Idaho, right? That's significant. And then white is, is an eternal color. Right? And, and tulips come up in the spring. It is a symbol of, of, of hope. With his parents' blessing, they named the mix of tulips Ethan's Smile. Yeah, so this will be a nice yellow or white tulip here in about four months. The trio planted thousands of bulbs in the state of Washington and sent a couple thousand more to the University of Idaho. And it really is our hope that we'll be able to continue to plant and that anybody that wants to remember them will be able to have their own Ethan's, Ethan's smile garden. It's a living legacy. Now it is up to prosecutors to get justice for these young victims.
47 days after the murders of Kaylee Gonsalves, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Zana Kernodal. Authorities apprehended the man they believed was responsible. We now know investigators had Brian Kohlberger in their sights early on, but kept it close to the vest. So in the early days, after the November 13th murders, frustration swept over Moscow, Idaho. I think in this instance, people were expecting a pretty quick arrest in this case, and it takes time. Police still have no suspect, weapon, or motive. No arrests have been made, no suspects identified by police. Investigators are asking the public to be patient. Steve Consalvis, father of 21-year-old Kaylee, was trying as best he could to deal with news no one expects. Most things I'm prepared for, most things as a dad you can, you can handle, but something like that you just can't prepare for and you can't fix it, you know, just think if you do everything right by the book, something like this couldn't happen. Did you have any sense who might have done something like this? No, I didn't think anybody in the inner circles was, was capable of interacting in, in her doing something that could even deserve something like that. As news spread of the murders, so did shock in the college community, which had not seen a homicide since 2015. Parents drove hundreds of miles to pick up their kids, to head home and stay home for the semester. Matt Loveless is a journalism professor at nearby Washington State University. At this point, we don't know if they're gonna come back for the spring semester there on campus. And so that same thing happened in both of our communities. And so when parents send their kids off to school for something to happen like this, I think it's a parent's worst nightmare. James Galliano is a retired FBI supervisory special agent and CBS News consultant. It's a place, Moscow, Idaho, where violent crime really is not an issue. As police started their investigation, they traced the victim's final steps. The day before the murders seemed to start ordinarily. Kaylee Gonsalves posted photos with her roommates and Ethan Chapin to her Instagram account with the caption, one lucky girl to be surrounded by these people every day. That evening, Ethan and Zana attended a party at a frat house on campus. Kaylee and Madison were at a bar between 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. They were then seen at that local food vendor, the Grub Truck. It is believed they all returned home by about 2 a.m. on November 13th. So in examining the timeline, police know that the crime took place sometime in the early morning hours. There were also two other University of Idaho students who were inside the house when the murders took place. It was later that morning that a call was made to 911 from one of the surviving roommate's phones to report an unconscious person. Police arrived at the house at 11.58 a.m. Police find the victims on the second and third floor of the house in bedrooms. A horrific and a very large scale crime scene because you're gonna be dealing with a number of different floors that need to be processed. The bedrooms where the crimes actually occurred and then ingress and egress points. How did the, how did the alleged killer get inside the house? Through a front door, through a window? Those are all things police will be looking at. No weapon has been located at this time. There was no sign of forced entry into the residence. On November 16th, three days after the murders, 
the Moscow police held their first press conference. We believe this was an isolated, targeted attack on our victims. We do not have a suspect at this time, and that individual is still out there. Coroner Kathy Mobbitt issued her report on November 17th. They were all murdered through stabbing with, with some kind of a, probably a larger knife. She told police some of the four victims had defensive wounds, but none had signs of sexual assault. Police continued to work the case, aided by the Idaho State Police and the FBI. I just believe that the Moscow Police Department probably just didn't have a lot of experience in working a homicide, especially one as heinous as this one. After about three weeks with no arrests and what to the public appeared to be no real suspects, Steve Gonsalves grew more concerned that authorities weren't doing enough and that the murders would turn into a cold case. So, he says, he started working with his own team to investigate the murders. We just thought, this is the time, let's get it out there and let's not let it get cold. Let's get as many resources as, as possible. Did you have any sense whatsoever as to what a motive might have been for these murders? Pretty girls and a handsome guy, I, I thought, you know, there might be something to do with their, you know, stalking them in the sense of that. Meanwhile, names of possible people of interest were trickling out, including members of the community and acquaintances of the victims. But they all seemed to be part of an unfounded rumor mill, many from online sleuths. Steve even had people come to him to prove they were not involved. We had certain suspects take their shirts off in our kitchen to show if they had scratches. We, we tried to do everything in our, in our powers to make sure that if we thought somebody was ruled out, we truly, we truly felt like, you know, we, we looked at them. Law enforcement would end up receiving thousands of tips, but the investigation by outward appearances seemed to be stalled. Nearly a month after the murders, on December 7th, police were seen packing up the victims' belongings to return to the families who had lost so much. It was the police chief behind the wheel of the U-Haul truck. That same day, a plea was made to the public. Police were interested in speaking with the occupant of a white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra that looked similar to this with an unknown license plate spotted near the crime scene around the time of the killings. Today's update is the first descriptive tip that we've received in several days. Detectives now want to speak with anyone who is inside a white Hyundai Elantra that was near this home on King Road around November 13th. We still believe there's more information to be gathered. Pushing that out to the media, pushing that out to people on the internet, pushing that out so that people can look for either a potential suspect person of interest or a potential vehicle that goes a long way towards running down leads <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to carvana it doesn't get any better than this your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. 
There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. It turns out that about two weeks before the police asked the public to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra, they had already shared that information with surrounding law enforcement. And on November 29th, a white Elantra was located by Washington State University Police. The car was registered to Brian Koberger. CBS News learned that in mid-December, the Hyundai Elantra was tracked for several days by the FBI using Easy Pass monitoring, fixed-wing aircraft, and ground support, as it was driven by Koberger along with his father from Pullman, Washington, on that cross-country trip to the family's home in Pennsylvania. Where are you headed? On December 15th, the car was stopped twice in Indiana for those driving violations by the Indiana State Police and the Hancock Sheriff's Office. So you're coming from Washington State University? And you're going where? Both agencies said at the time of the stops, there was no information available on a suspect for the crime in Idaho to include identifying information or any specific information related to the license plate state or number of the white Hyundai Elantra. But do me a favor, don't follow too close, OK? Police did not ticket Kohlberger. They gave a verbal warning and the trip continued home. And then... Koberger's holiday came to an abrupt halt. A suspect is under arrest for the quadruple murder of four Idaho college students. On December 30th, 2022, police made that announcement that Brian Koberger was under arrest for the murders. He was arrested at his family's home in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, at 3 a.m. with approximately 50 law enforcement officers on the scene. There were multiple windows that were broken, I believe, to, to gain access, as well as multiple doors. Authorities believe Brian Koberger acted alone. Brian was very shocked by his arrest. Brian did not know why they were there, but he was aware of the case ongoing uh, in Idaho. Monroe County Public Defender Jason Labar represented Koberger in Pennsylvania as he was awaiting extradition to Idaho. Brian indicated to me that he was eager to be exonerated that he was willing to go back to Idaho. On January 3rd, at a hearing in Pennsylvania, Koberger signed his waiver of extradition. They're escorting him off the tarmac there. And on January 4th, he flew to Idaho, where he is in jail, charged with the four murders. All right. This is State of Idaho versus Brian C. Koberger. On January 5th, Koberger appeared in court in Moscow with his new public defender to hear the charges read against him. 
he has yet to enter a plea. The maximum penalty for this offense, if you were to plead guilty or be found guilty, is death or imprisonment for life. Do you understand? Yes. That same day, that affidavit was released that laid out startling new details about the murder investigation. According to the affidavit, one of the surviving roommates actually saw the murderer and stood in a frozen shock phase. She is referred to as DM in the affidavit and told police that earlier she heard a female voice say something to the effect of, there's someone here. And later, a male voice saying something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Later, she opened her door after she heard crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask. She described the figure as five foot ten with bushy eyebrows. The affidavit states that according to DM, the male walked toward the back sliding door and DM locked herself in her room. It was later in the morning when that call was made to 911 from one of the surviving roommates' phones to report an unconscious person. It is unclear what occurred in the hours before police were called. It is believed the murders took place between 4 and 4.25 a.m. Police say they discovered on the bed in Madison's room a knife sheath with a marine insignia that looks similar to this one. I would imagine that a, a crime scene as, as grisly and ghastly as this one that there would have been DNA left by the perpetrator. According to the affidavit, the knife sheath was processed and the Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA on the button snap. They were able to link it to DNA recovered from the trash at the Pennsylvania Koberger family home. It is not clear what, if any, connection Koberger had with the victims. However, the affidavit states that by using cellular phone data, police were able to place Koberger's cell phone near the crime scene on at least 12 occasions before November 13, 2022. All of those occasions, except for one, occurred in the late evening and early morning hours. Even with these new details, many questions remain. A newly issued gag order prohibits officials and others involved in the case from speaking about the murders. Also, authorities have sealed a search warrant that was carried out at Koberger's home in Pullman, Washington. This is one where you don't want a mistake. You don't want something to happen during this process that's going to give the alleged suspect an opportunity to beat the case. Now, the case will work its way through the court system as parents who lost their children will be looking for answers. We find the truth, you know, you get the truth and then that, that'll, that'll be everything. You can see it in the stunned, silent faces of the kids. Faces that ask why without even speaking. Young eyes glisten, bathed in the glow of candlelight. A ritual all too familiar across America. The flowers, prayers, 
the vows to carry on. In Idaho, they hold on tight to each other and to the memories of those loved and lost. Life is so unfair and unpredictable. For Zana Kernodal's friend Emily, the wound remains raw. And it tears me apart knowing I can't hug her. So hold those you love closer. Hug them a little tighter and tell them you love them. We'll find justice for you. Ethan, Maddie, and Kaylee, we love you all so much. And for Ashlyn, Maddie Mogan's memory is still vibrant. You truly will live on forever not only in my heart, but in the heart of so many people that were impacted by your beautiful smile, your grace, your patience, your open heart, and your craziness. Hunter Johnson remembers a pal he could rely on, Ethan Chapin. Ethan was always someone you could count on to make you smile and uh, cheer up your mood. And I feel so lucky to have shared so many great memories with him. But those who are older perhaps sense that pain that runs this deep never goes away. Kaylee's father, Steve Gonsalves. Yeah, you don't heal from something like this. It's never going to happen. You're never going to be healed. You're never going to get through this. When they die, part of you dies. We're tired of all these type of crimes. We're tired of all this stuff. And um, we can rally around these terrible tragedies and we're hoping that as a society we come back stronger and we we decide to not let this be accepted anymore you know that's what i hope for Fantastic actress. She wanted to be in movies. A cosplay model charged with her fiance's murder. I didn't do what they're saying. I did. Now, will the jury believe she's not acting? Who do you believe killed Matthew Tressler? Melissa Turner. 48 hours, Saturday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill 
to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill. Or text thrill to 500-500. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.